All right. Do we want to talk about trauma? Good. Let's fire away. Trauma's a big one. Uh, okay. Let's wing this baby out. Um, so... This has been uh, one week into our Mindful Monday class where we've, um, where I, Rachel, decided to, I took a nine week series on trauma just to better understand myself, my feelings, even though I've been on a healing journey now for, well, we could say our whole lives more or less, but, you know, where you're actually- Officially. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually gaining tools that help you. Yeah, sometimes, and not sometimes just, not so much. <laughs> not just numb you, right? Tools to just, yeah, give you the next topic. Because, I mean, <laughs> not that I want to slight anybody out there who's, you know. But if you don't go to the person with the tools or that awareness, compassion, you might end up being more trauma. Oh, yeah. So, triggering trauma. So, trauma is anything that takes you out of your center, leaves you feeling fragmented. So, think about your childhood. And even just, of course, there's big traumas, there's little traumas. Right. But when you were picked on, bullied, made fun of, we actually internalize that. Anything below the age of 12, internalized. We are not even capable yet of, what's that word I want to use? Like we just- Coping, expressing. We turn that into us. We turn it into we're not good enough. We turn that into we've done something wrong. And we don't have the ability to reason yet. So therefore, it gets internalized, and then that internalization is sadness, anger, depression, anxiety, that we don't actually belong where we're at. And so what I did notice at the Mindful Monday, that beautiful, courageous group of ladies that have been joining, it's been running now well over 90 days, that the turnout is just amazing and it just keeps getting bigger and better because of the conversations being shared right so when i thought about going this route for a mindful march i was a little bit nervous to be honest with you because in order to make someone else feel comfortable enough to share their story i would have to share mine because that's only fair right i feel bad that i miss monday now Oh, well, I think I shocked a few of them, but that's okay. Not, I didn't want to shock anyone for the reaction or the attention it might bring. I was really worried that part of my story might have triggered someone else's right. pain, right? So did I give detail, detail? No, no, because we don't need that. Yeah. I mean, I think I summed it up pretty good. Childhood sucks sometimes and it wasn't a healthy one. And again, I'm not blaming my parents. It's just these are the experiences I had that have created who I am today. And I'm willing to share my story so that other women feel compelled and to inspire them to maybe 
take another closer look at a healing journey because it can happen. Trauma can be changed. You can choose to heal it. Because if we're willing to face it, feel it, and heal it, oh, what could you do with that ripple next, right? Because it's already in our body, so we might as well get moving on it. Right. And you always have a choice in tragedy. Not initially, but you have a choice after how it's going to change your life. Yeah. So, and trauma can be mental, physical, sexual. It can even be neglect and disappointment. Trauma can change how we view and interact with the world right down to the cellular level, which really grabbed my attention because of the subconscious healing sessions that I do, right? Those personal healing sessions at Healing Hearts Wellness Studio are so impactful and powerful that I feel everyone in the world should have one. Because you may not even, if it's subconscious, you're maybe blaming, oh, I'm just an angry person, or I've always been this way, or I'm always depressed, or, you know, that's your go-to emotion, because that's what you felt, known, had. Yeah. So if we can understand our trauma at a cellular level, there is no reason that you can't evolve it, heal it, and move it along. And there's also developmental trauma. Like think about some of those moms out there that unfortunately are living on the street, not enough, you know, not yeah. enough proper care. So there's that baby developing to the highest capacity it can, or has it been impacted because mom, mom has poor nutrition, poor health, poor, yeah. Right? Maybe she's in trauma already. Then there's also birth trauma. That makes me think of my son. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I mean, he's healthy, happy, healthy, and whole today, but... When I think about when I was listening to the workshop leader, I was like, birth trauma. Uh, Then immediately went to Colin's core story. Because, I mean, was he in pain? Maybe. Obviously, they didn't drug him for anything. All we did was flip his arms back and forth. And I know, okay, so everyone on the podcast knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Colin was a big baby. He was overdue by quite a bit. Um, and I trusted the doctor. She went by measurements, but I was getting kind of huge, like rather large, actually. And when he was born, it took three days of labor to get oh inducing. He got stuck in the birth canal. So his head is hanging out. Sorry if this is graphic. Shoulders are stuck. stuck. Connor's shoulder got stuck. Right? So she shoved her hands up there. And I understand why, or this yes. baby was going to die. And she broke his arms. Ah. to get him to fold in enough to yank him Holy out. Holy moly. So he suffered trauma to me. Oh, My first due date was September 3rd. He was born October 6th. Oh, my Lord. And like a big, healthy 10 pounds, 8 ounces. Like he was a heifer. <laughs> I love him to death. They would have done something about that sooner. Right. But okay. anyway, and I can remember the doctor saying to me, if your sister can have big babies like this, so can you. And I'm like, you know, wow. who talks like that? You're in a small town when? And I'm not going to mention which doctor because it's irrelevant at this point. But anyway, nonetheless, he's happy, healthy, and whole. He went on and, you know, he played college basketball. He's fine. But that was traumatic for me. Oh, yeah. Like, I never got to meet my son immediately because I had 156 stitches. 
I was passed out. All I remember is saying to Todd, you better fucking save that kid. Sorry, I did swear. Yeah. Because I was upset. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how long I was out. Oh, my Lord. But I bet you my son was probably, you know what? This is bothering me. This is why this has come up. Todd met him, which is beautiful. He's the father. My mother met him first. My mother-in-law met him first. My father-in-law met him first. It's a lot of people before you. Right. This is trauma to me. This is clearly why this is getting a little emotional. But anyway, so when we, we don't realize how many of us don't know our own history, because I have many clients who I say, well, do you remember this age? Nope. Do you know what your birth was like? Nope. Do you know what time you were born? Nope. Like, I don't even know what time I was born. All I know is I was born in Fairview on April 12th. That's it. But I know nothing. I was seven pounds, whatever ounces. So is there anything in my birthing? Right? That was trauma. Before the actual childhood yeah. trauma started, right? We don't know because, and again, women didn't talk about stuff. No, not at all. Right? So the trauma in itself back in the day might have been not so hard to bear if we'd been able to talk. Ooh, that was good. And not that I'm, you know, going to bash parents here because I'm not. I'm not even bashing mine, but they give you what you know. They give you what they know. What they know. Sorry. Yeah, because everybody learns their tools from experience. So when you think about, if I look at what I experienced, okay, what did my parents experience? Because until you make a conscious change, which obviously didn't happen, nothing will change going forward. Plus the epigenetic changes. I know, I was so proud to be able to say that word experienced by mom what was mom experiencing during pregnancy in terms of her own stress she may have had all the food in the world all the healthcare in the world the home in the world but what was actually going on in her world that's right stressful jobs stressful relationships whatever right yeah past miscarriages that have you concerned past you don't know right and how does that affect the baby's own abilities to handle stress, deal with life, right? Because we, as an adult, need that child within. Actually, this was a big key piece of it. Our inner child, we all have one. It never grows up. We actually have to make sure it feels comforted, make sure it feels acknowledged, make sure it feels supported in the safe world that we exist in today. Because how many, I know that I have many clients who are like so bound by it still, even though it's not happening to them today, like they're, they're successful moms, they're successful career, but they're still there. There's that underlying current that keeps them from feeling their best. So when we do repeat the story though, which is, You know, a lot of us do that internally, even just thinking it, thinking it, thinking it, thinking it. We have to actually stop doing that because we're actually putting ourselves through that cortisol release, stress, the fight flight mode. But do you have to be aware that you're 
repeating it first. Mm-hmm. You have to get there first. And how, how many people get there first? Well, it's a struggle. It's a process. Some of them are a little faster. Some are a little slower. Depends on what you're willing to what you're willing to face again. What you're willing to feel again. Because it takes you down. Clearly. And the world is such a much smaller place now that there is there is a ton of opportunities, whether it be online, whether it be that special friend, whether it be a healer or a life coach or a mental therapist, whatever. The world is a small enough place now that we do have a choice to get support to heal. But until... Until uh, what were you going to say? Um, I feel like it's a lot more accepted and talked about mainstream. Yes. Like when you were in school, did you ever hear mental health awareness? All those things that you hear now when you when well, your kids are out of school, but when mine are in school, mm-hmm. there's mental health tips that are emailed out. You're aware of those things. I don't ever remember that in school. I think as a mainstream discussion, um, mental health and trauma and all those things have come a long way. My first awareness of mental health was in grade five. I had a teacher who actually approached the principal and said, I think Rachel needs to go talk to somebody. And then, of course, you know, from there, get, you know, parents on the phone. And that was my first uh, understanding that there's someone I'm going to go talk to. But I wasn't really sure what was what was going on because what was I, nine or 10 Yeah. in grade five? I still hadn't, I knew I had behavior issues a little bit and I knew that I had, a, you know, I'd have random fits when my parents would, you know, hang on to hands or kiss. I would fucking lose my tree. But it wasn't talked about, right, openly. But that was my first awareness that, but I wasn't aware it was mental health then. Or then there's the weight loss resistant. resistant. Yes. I think, you know, I've seen a few of that. And this is a history of traumatic events like sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And then we tie that into our own feelings of not being good enough. You're no good. And what outside messages compounded that. And again, Any sort of thing we deal with under the age of 12 registers as trauma. Words, being pick loss and rugby, whatever. What is that? You know, just something isn't right with this child yet. So, and compare it to all the other grade fibers in the class. So clearly she saw something, but it wasn't dealt with. It, It wasn't dealt with. And again, it's not talked about. And I, I don't know why, if it was the fear that the family would be different. I don't know why generational, you know, back in the day, it was seen as such a weakness yes. to have issues within your family. But my trauma for myself, like I numbed it. It went from emotional eating to addictions to failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship until rock bottom got it to, I got to change my life. And that's the healing journey that began. 
But you're right. If you're not aware, because you've known nothing different, you just accept yourself for the way you are, how you wouldn't until what? Someone pointed it out to you that, you know what? You're kind of aggressive. Like, is there something driving this behavior? Or do people... What's the word I'm looking for here? Hang on. The desire to want to be different has to be there as well. Yes. But if the trauma was so much, it could frighten them to not want to deal with it again, right? But the thing to remember is you're not your trauma. And everyone experiences it so different, right? How you deal with it is different than when I how I would deal with my trauma. And sometimes if we're so used to stuffing the emotion that comes up with it, like if you're out and about and you get triggered, right? Your go-to is McDonald's or stuff, 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 suppress or mask it with addictions. Yeah. And then when it hits you again, fuck, there it starts again. So you have to be in the moment, be okay. Like I can handle this for a moment or two, just feel it, see it through. Because it was such a negative experience, it's so scary. And it also affects your outlook on life. Oh, I could see that. Are you wanting to know? No. You're just sitting here. I feel like I'm facilitating. Yeah, find out. <laughs> you must find out. Find its meaning to you. That was like that was the statement they said, and I was like, what is the meaning to me? I have turned it into a meaning for me to help serve others who are stuck in their cycles, stuck in their patterns, stuck in their way of living, that what I've done is uncover trauma they didn't even know they had. Right? That was what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. So they may not even realize the trauma was there. It was blocked, buried, whatever. But they know they're not happy. They know they're not living their best life. And... I almost want to, now that I've said this the way I have, I would, it's almost easier for them not to be aware until they're with me and they've gotten used to the coaching session because, you know, everybody loves it and then they come back for more. And then if I can land them in the middle of that, they're safe, they trust me, they're more willing to look at it. Like I had a client yesterday, I said two words to her and she pushed the table away because she was going to hurl all over the floor. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, how the fuck did you know to say that? I'm like, I have no idea, actually. Like, I honestly don't. Yeah. I, and which I can't go any further with that anyway. But yeah. just one word opens the door. If I can help get you through that door, it's not so overwhelming. And you can actually observe yourself going through it. And actually feel how you change how you feel through it doesn't change the memory. Those will never go away. Just stop replaying them. So childhood trauma is very, it's a big conversation. It actually is because that's where most of our trauma comes from because we're not able. We're not looking after ourselves. We're just trusting that the adults who are in charge know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, that may or may not be the case. 
most times they, if there's trauma involved. Or when you see someone who's got, my heart just went boom, like really fast three times. I'm like, well, what is this? Um, chronic illness. This is my mom. My mom has chronic something all the time. If you're listening to this, it's supposed to be with respect. So like she's, she was always sick. There's always something wrong. And I can understand. It's like you're looking for something to call it because you're too scared to name it it. for what it is. Right. And there was a period in my life. The first time that I got diagnosed Oh, it was like an eight year stretch of like frequent flyer rate to the doctor because that's what's wrong with me. Yeah. That is what's wrong with me. So you must heal me, Fix it. give me drugs, yeah. do whatever. Cause that's, what's justifying who I am. Okay. No, they pretty soon are like, she's back. Honey, push pause. No, I'm good. I saw that. No, I'm good. And I'm surprised you haven't hacked that pen across the studio yet. Okay. <laughs> so, and a lot of people who survive or who have endured trauma, not necessarily healed it quite yet, live in their head. Disconnect, right? Yes. The mind-body connection is not there. This is an awkward podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just yes. different. It's not, it's a topic that you're more familiar with. Why? Be honest. This is us being us. Um, go ahead. I'm waiting. Because, you, because you've experienced trauma. So have you. Because you have worked to have the tools to work others through theirs. Oh, I love that. Perfectly said. You should write that down. <laughs> we can pull it back oh, up yeah, on the recording right. at this point. I keep forgetting the recording. <laughs> I talk a lot smoother when I don't realize I'm being recorded. I do. You've already noticed. Yes. But you've suffered trauma too, Mari. We're here and doing it. No one else will hear it unless you allow it. So... You think about that's what's wrong. Oh, I love you. You're delicious. It's because that's still a fresh wound for you, honey. The trauma with. What did you do? How can you do that? We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Because the trauma with your marriage. But look at the impact it's had on you. You struggled. You struggled with even letting me hug you. You struggled with even me wanting to be just your closest fucking buddy ever. (laughs) It took you time. And I understand why. Now you hug me so freely. It doesn't seem so frozen. (laughs) But that was trauma. Um, being super, super deliciously shy is adorable, but it impacted you. Do you yes. remember kindergarten story? Oh, yes. Oh, God. She's uh-huh. like, I wish I had never told you now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what 
have you done with that? How have you changed your life? That's inspiring. And our podcast listeners, this is what they show up for. The rawness, the juiciness. My trauma created such a hateful, spiteful feeling in myself that I ate myself to try and split my own skin. The stretch marks that I look at now, I'm like, before they never bothered me. And I don't look at them now and think, oh, I'm just so ugly. But I don't let people see me. My husband and I have been together for 16 years. It'll be in June. I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's some trauma. No, I'm kidding. I love you. But I didn't let him see me naked until we were together for over 10 years. Like lights off, don't even even breathe. Like don't even, don't even open your fucking eyes. (laughs) Right? Because I, I made an identity to it that he would just think I'm ugly. So, because that's how I felt. Now I look at them and I'm like, oh, you poor woman. You were trying so hard to bury that pain that you created that. Like, what mindset did I have to be in for that to, you know, even be a part of who I was? So we don't. But that goes back to, I mean, you already brought up suppressing the emotion, right? At that mm-hmm. point, you were suppressing what you didn't have the tools to deal with. And I didn't want to deal with Yes. Because no one would help me. Yeah. There so why no would you one. want to put yourself back in that place? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that the world is a much smaller place, I love that you said you get emails now about, you know, the kids in school. So there's emails about where to reach out for support, for help, for anything, right? Because some kids don't have that. That's right. And parents who would be even willing to. Because if parents haven't healed, why would they even think their kid needs to? Because, well, I'm fine. Look how I fucking turned out. Please. Please. (laughs) Obviously. Like, look it around, right? (laughs) But why, why is that so sensitive still, honey? What are you not dealing with? What do you wish you had had? Let's do this. What do you wish you'd had? She's doing great, everyone. She just needs a moment to find her words. Friends. Oh, my beautiful girl. You know, don't take this wrong. When my marriage fell apart at that point, I had no friends left. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, I was in a situation where I, I worked a lot. We ran a business. We started a business basically four days before I had my youngest. (laughs) because that's just how it worked out rather than going back after maternity leave we were too busy I had always had an identity as what I did I loved all the jobs I had it was always my identity by the time my mat leave was over we were too busy I didn't go back to work much and I worked all the time I didn't have friends Mm -hmm. so were you using work as an escape though too now that you're this far away? No. No? It's just something you do. I ran constantly. Oh, there it is. 80, 100 kilometers a week. 
What were you running from? Obviously, the life I was living. <laughs> and what changed? I left. Because you couldn't run no more. Yep. So you made a connection to the running is not doing it anymore for me. So it's time to change my life. Nice. How do you feel now? I know. You're, you're <laughs> fucking mad at me. I know. She yes. does this. She does this to me all the time. You're ah. used to it by then. I am. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, you know what? I don't know if I would have looked at that the same way I do now when I say it to you. Um, it never occurred to me that that bothered me until a sit session with another practitioner. And that came up that I felt they had abandoned me when really my lifestyle and my ah. a thousand things in my life had driven them away. But I thought they abandoned me. Nice. Not nice that you felt like that, <laughs> but nice that you've got yeah. your past that. So because when you feel like you've been abandoned, then you then you're blaming yourself. You're in denial. You're, you're stressed, you're sad, and then you're like, well, nobody likes me. Yes. And that's a fucking lonely feeling. Yes. So when I collapsed at work, had a little bit of a mini nervous breakdown, I had no friends either. And in fact, I was happier about that because I didn't want people to see this because I had made an identity of being rock star rage can fucking work 18 hour shifts, seven days a fucking week and make the man millions. Yeah. And you know, he paid me well, but yeah. Well, and I had it all together. I had kids. I volunteered at things. I. I, um, I had a business. I had two kids. I, my kids went to work. My, I, I seemed like I juggled it all. Right. Same thing. You seem like you're, mm-hmm. So are you happier you're now showing your true face? Yes. Because you're with me. Yeah. Right? Like you say, Sam. <laughs> right? Like you and I yeah. pretty much pull the curtain back and rip each other apart and then put each other back <laughs> together. So you see you next week, honey. But I did say no more than three days apart. Now, like it's getting <laughs> enough. I've had enough of that. So do you see, though, how imperative it is to understand how trauma can trap you into believing things like your abandonment story so what did you do to change that the friends thing because it scarred you so what did you do to get over that how did you start making new friends how the hell did you and i meet oh yeah i sold i bought a truck (laughs) so what was it about buying a truck that you're like well i think i could hang out with this chick i probably said the f word a few times oh probably (laughs) And I was very honest with you, got back to you, and yeah. you were honest with me that piece of report just wasn't cutting it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. And you've grown from there. So have I. Like this year, 2021. I don't think I've ever allowed this many women uh, yes. to be close to me. To know, sorry, to know personal things about me and me not worry about what they even think. That's huge. Whatever. Because trauma changes how we look at life. So even if it was an unintentional word, bullying, 
you know, your parents treated you a little bit different than your brother or your sister, you make that into something that, that it may not have been, but it meant that thing to you. So we still do have to respect that, right? About yeah. your abandonment story, like you still do. You still have to make sense of it because the echoes of traumatic events alter your life and they control it to some degree because it did. My eating habit did. My addictions did. And that's the hardest part is changing the behavior that you've been using to manage that emotion you've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing <laughs> yeah. and stuffing, right? Because, you know, we go through bouts of I'm going to get better, I'm going to feel so good. But unless you get to the core event, there's always going to be a residual symptom show up. And how are you going to manage that now? So, and then how many of us got PTSD from it? Like that's a, it's yep, a very a real, real thing. thing. So how can you own your own pain? This is Monday night homework, by the way. Oh, oh good. <laughs> how can you own your own pain? I don't, hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't get to own my, my phone kept ringing today. Hello? How do you own it? You have to realize what it was, what caused it, what. And you have to see yourself as better. Just walking into a coaching or a healing or a mental health appointment, or even being willing to share it with a trusted personal friend, that's already one step towards better. And if you feel okay in that, imagine what it would feel like if you did it two days in a row, or even journaling it out, right? Yeah. And of course, we know meditation. But I bet you, when you think about it like that, like I know I have a couple clients who are like, it's so hard for me to sit. Okay, so lay down. No, you don't understand. Oh, I'm pretty sure I do. I just can't be silent for that long. No, you can. It's just that you can't handle the thoughts that are racing around your head that you've been fucking ignoring. Yes. Because, you know, it's easier. I can work three jobs, manage a basketball team. You know, I'll just keep myself so busy that... Eventually, it'll just go away. Yes. Oh, wrong. No, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, wrong. Shows up. It shows up in other areas of your life, like failed relationship after failed yeah. relationship. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I really am not. Plus, when you speak ill of your own body, you're re-traumatizing yourself in that. Yes. Because your words are so powerful. And you are so used to that chemical release, like your baseline is so fucking high. Like you yes. could probably go to war in Iraq and back and not fucking even bat a fucking eye over it. But that's not healthy. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to get cancer. You're going to have some fucking terminal chronic disease. Anyway, I talk all day about that. Or when you know when you see someone who has a dramatic weight loss. Yes. Oh, guaranteed. Usually associated to an early childhood trauma, right? Because it's about control. We need to be so accepting of ourselves, so compassionate, and so forgiving in order to get that first step through the door. But if you don't like yourself, I could see how hard that could be. Because I spent a good, a good long time. When I collapsed, I spent 47 days alone. The only yeah. person who was allowed to contact me or I would even acknowledge was my sister and not much. 
Like she must have been in shit fit land panicking. Poor girl. <laughs> I call her my GPS. She really is. Like, you know, sometimes the message wasn't very nice and she probably was like just sick of listening to me. I don't blame her, but she at least held the space for me to, fuck, how many times do we need to have this discussion? Well, until, <laughs> until I realized it's a, it's a broken record player. Yeah. So those 47 days that I never left my house, like when I would go to town, I wouldn't come to Peace River to buy milk. Fuck, I would go all the way to Fairview. I even went to Grand Prairie because I didn't want to run into people. You know how many fucking clients I have from the Ford dealership? Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Don't even ask. <laughs> like, just yeah, leave me don't alone. Don't You know what? Are you still working? How do you answer that? Yeah. So I made sure that I would push myself to go and get like the basic necessities of life. I think I slept for three weeks straight and I would just text my sister. I'm doing okay. I'm good. Like I'm just sleeping. You know, as long as I would check in with her, she would leave me alone because she knew there was a process that had to go through. And it was after that 47 days, I realized that I had to change my life, but I didn't begin that healing journey then. That was, oh, it was like March. No. Oh, wow. Here we are, March. Here we are. This is why this is a conversation today. I didn't begin the healing journey until like really get into it, like really take ownership of my stuff until the following January when I left my husband. So there was about nine months there where... You were just in limbo. Kind of going through the motions of life and not, you know, went to work at the bank, applied to go to school. Like I did shit that I knew I was never, ever going to fulfill me. Like what the fuck? Work at a bank? Not that I'm knocking the bank. It's just I'm (laughs) too much. I'm too much. I need windows. (laughs) (laughs) So what was I doing? Delayed self-destruction? Like I was teetering. Could have went either way at that point, right? But the path to healing is also recognizing and acknowledging the sabotaging behavior, which was me, the addictions, the relationship choices. Why do we make the relationship choices we make? Yikes. That's a big one. That could be another podcast, yeah. to be honest with you, because that one would take us all day. <laughs> that might be like a webinar, ladies. <laughs> because when we go into a relationship, what happens? We only show the good stuff. We don't show that itchy stuff. We don't show the fails. No. Nobody nobody brings that as their but story you know, to start with. No, because you're not going to go on date number two. Um, hitting rock bottom was the best thing that ever happened to me. It honestly was. Because it, I realized that something needed to change, even though I just didn't know what it was in that moment. But it was a pivotal moment that I'm thankful for every day. Because it got me to this space. And I'm living my best life. I have the best fucking, I know what I do. I know what I do. There's a lot of crying sometimes. I know there's a lot of emotionally charged conversations. But when you can bring that client back to themselves and they can leave here with their head held higher, oh, like fuck. There is not a better job in this world. And I know it's not for everyone because some days are pretty heavy. But I live my best life serving. And I am thankful. There is a blue orb right above your head when I said that. (laughs) Because there's always opportunities to evolve and grow through. Even though I know that some of our traumas 
And I'm not comparing traumas because it affects each of us differently. But we can always rise above it. We can always rise above it. You just got to find your place to do it, especially when your life is at a crossroad and you're just not sure which way to go. And you get all fidgety in your chair. Yeah. Hang out with Rach. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to add to this conversation, Lori? Nope. Nope. <laughs> because you know what? It can be in an instant. Just like me dropping at work that day, an instant can change your life. You just don't know it in that second. But when you roll it back, you're like, oh, best thing I ever did was hit the floor that day. And it really showed me how people reacted to people. Oh, yeah. Were, like they like didn't want to make eye contact. You know what? Funny I, how the bad times show you what people are. Okay, write that down. Seriously, write that down. That's a great idea for a podcast because it's so true and not many of us are willing to fucking stick our neck into that one. But I am. If you want to do that one up next Sunday, I'm willing to rip that one apart. Um, what it really did show me is I'm just a fucking number. Yeah. Trauma has touched every one of us. Every one of us on some level. So if anyone's, you know, interested or wanting to even just have a short conversation with me to discuss what a healing session could do, I'd love to hear from you all. So this was Rach and Lori again with Salad and Sage. Next time you're talking more. <laughs> <laughs> we need a topic beforehand then. Hello! I texted you all week! I know. I couldn't land on one. <laughs>